Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Pamela Mishana, your host, and I'm so excited. Today, I have Dr. William Attaway as my guest, and he's going to have wonderful things to share with you about leadership and catalytic leadership specifically. If you're wondering what that is, as am I, I have a little clue so far, but he's going to tell me a whole lot more about it today. He is going to go ahead and start sharing now. So with that, welcome so much, William, to the show. And will you go ahead and introduce yourself to us? Any biographical information that you want us to know about you, go for it. Pamela, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really an honor to be here. Uh, about me, I would just say that first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, that's the most important part of my life. You I've been married that? to my wife, Charlotte, for just over 25 years. We just celebrated that a few months ago. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thanks. We have two daughters. So one's a freshman in college and one is a high school sophomore. That's my life at home. Vocationally, I've been in ministry, uh, serving as a local church pastor now for just over 25 years, almost 26 now. And uh, I have worked as in leadership in the business world, in the church world, and started my own business coaching leaders uh, about five years ago. I've been coaching leaders for over two decades, and that's what I'm doing now, coaching leaders in a variety of different contexts, from business to government, from education to small business, C-suite founders, entrepreneurs, uh, you name it, I've probably worked with them. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. So you have two decades coaching leaders, but five years doing it more formally. I started my own company five years ago. Before that, I was coaching for others, uh, coaching in different contexts uh, for other people, but decided I would uh, start my own. Wonderful. Okay. Well, like I said before, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And if I heard you correctly, you've been married as long as you have been a pastor almost. I moved from the business world into ministry in May of 2000 or May of 1997 rather, and uh, got married in December of that year. Oh, wonderful. Good. All right. So let's jump right in. Just tell us right off the bat, what is catalytic leadership? You know, Pamela, that's a that's a, a point of intersection of two different parts of my story. I attended my first leadership conference when I was 15 years old. I was invited by a teacher to do that, and I was captivated by the power of, of leadership, good leadership. And I was just appalled at the power of terrible leadership. Uh-huh. We've seen plenty of examples of both of those. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> when I went to college, I went as a pre-pharmacy major. 
uh, and thought this was a way that I could take what had been invested in me and, and help other people with it. I got into my second year of those studies and discovered that this is not what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. <laughs> so I changed directions. But in my brief chemistry studies, I learned about the power of a catalyst. The catalyst is something that you introduce to incite or to accelerate significant change or action. And at that point, I had already been a student of leadership for, for four or five years at that point. And I thought, you know, every great leader that I've ever learned about or learned from would resonate with that definition mm. because they are catalytic in their leadership. Sure. And so for the last, well, 25 plus years, I've been fleshing out what that means. What does it mean for a leader to be catalytic, to inspire, to accelerate or incite significant change that makes an impact? far beyond that initial moment. So you coined the phrase yourself. I did. Very good. Wonderful. Thanks for unpacking that for us. I'm sure I wasn't the only one kind of wondering how, I mean, we could take the separate definitions and try to figure it out, but it's nothing like hearing uh, the person who coined the phrase go ahead and explain. (laughs) How does your personal wiring impact your leadership? I think every one of us, when we when we start out as a leader, our first tendency is to copy. We copy people who we've seen as great leaders in our lives or leaders that we've admired from afar. And that's normal, right? It's normal to want to imitate. The problem is when we get stuck there. Because yeah. if we get stuck there and all we do is continue to copy, over time, we're just going to become a bad copy of a great leader. Yeah. Instead of becoming the leader that God wired and designed us to be based on our gifting, our wiring, I call it. And so understanding your wiring is learning how you are designed and created, how to lead from that instead of trying to be like or be someone else. Mm-hmm. That's reminding me of um, my brother who passed away a few years back. He taught and coached around leadership. He actually even taught at a college and he used to call it authentic leadership. And what you're saying is reminding me of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like we all have a different fingerprint. We all have a different leadership fingerprint, if you will. And it comes from the various experiences, our background and all of that plays a part in who we are. And it can come to the forefront in how we lead. And it will even make us a more successful leader uh, because there's people out there that need exactly our exact wiring. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And understanding that leadership is on many different levels, too. Uh, I've played leadership roles in life at work and even in personal life. And one thing I understood is that there's times, depending on the task, I may be the formal leader in the room, but I need to know when to stand down because someone else has background and experience for this task. Their Mm. expertise needs to lead us forward. So they're the leader for that particular thing. Learning when to step up and learning when to step back. Absolutely. So, so important. Yes. So how can I avoid the drift toward mediocrity in my leadership style or leadership itself? I have never once, Pamela, met a leader who desired to be mediocre in their leadership. I've just never, never seen that. 
what happens over time is we we start a new role or we start a, a new leadership position and we're excited and it's challenging and we have to kind of stay on our on our toes in mm-hmm. order to to keep our game right but over time you feel like i kind of got this now you're not as focused as you were at the beginning and what can happen is you can begin to drift it's like that lazy river ride that i like so much you know not the not the big coaster guy i like the lazy river let's just get in the lazy river and let's just float let the current take us and just calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. Problem is you never drift into excellence. You always drift oh. into mediocrity. And that's what happens in too many leaders' lives. They don't they don't intend for it to happen. It's not intentional, but that's what drift does. It takes us into mediocrity. How do you avoid that? One word, intentionality. Choose. I'm going to pursue excellence in what I do and how I do it in the direction I'm going. I'm going to be very intentional about pursuing excellence. I'm going to continually learn. I'm never going to say, well, I, I'm good. It's good enough. No, not for a catalytic leader. Mm-hmm. Good enough is never good enough. You know, always when I listen to my guests, it, they just cause me to reflect on my own life. I can't help it. I'm thinking about when I got caught up in that mediocrity. And for me, I love your river example, but for me, it was a little worse than that. It makes me think of that old wimpy commercial, same time, same time, (laughs) same place, same place. I don't feel alive like that. There's nothing challenging, but I got to tell you, it wasn't for lack of learning new things. I was always reading new books on leadership and different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in education. There's always something new. There's always reading. There's always staying on top of. And I reached a point where even learning the new things, I was still kind of just stuck, feeling like, again, same time, same time, same mm-hmm. place, same place. Because even though it was new information, you know what? I think by hearing myself talk it through, even with you, I'm getting to more of a crystal clear thing. What I found is I kept reading things that was the same thing repackaged. Mm, yeah, sure. Just give sure. it a new title. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, do you have anything to say to people that kind of experienced it the way I did? I think that's not uncommon either. You know, that's a, it's a little bit different because that's really more of a drift into that that ho-humness. It's not a, a, a healthy rhythm. It's a rhythm of, hey, it's just like you say, same time, same place. Like there's nothing new. There's nothing fresh. Mm-hmm. That's when I'll challenge a leader. Well, we need to shake things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with clients who will come to me. I had one recently come to me and say, I need a new vision. I need a new perspective going forward. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I'm just kind of meh. I get that. So where does that start? Where does a new vision begin? Yeah. Well, for any leader, a new vision always begins with a burden. You're burdened about a problem. You're burdened about a situation. You're burdened about something, a challenge or something that exists that just weighs you down. You're like, that's not okay. It can't stay like that. And what leaders want to do is we want to step toward the mess. We want to step toward the problem. Yeah. And that burden Well, invariably, if you embrace it, that burden will give birth to a new vision. Right. That's what propels you and excites you. Yeah, I like that. Because, yes, I've also done, I mean, exactly the way you explained it. I I think I experienced 
my version of how I explained having the mediocrity plus yours, because I also reached a point where it was like, okay, I have this down. And yeah. I'm like yeah. in automatic mode. And it's like, I don't even have to think. I can go to work and do my job without, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you have to think. You always sure. have a problem solved. But for the most part, you have it down. I think once I reach that state, is when I start going to the wimpy burger. Thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like my life has no purpose because I'm right. just doing the same thing over and over. But you know, finding that new passion, that burden, I like the way you say a burden because that gets you going. You're like, this has yeah. changed. This is not okay. That's right. That's what fires you up. That's what creates that desire to make an impact in the heart of the leader. Right. Who are some role models from your childhood who may have impacted your leadership? Like, we know that you teach from using your own personal wiring or your own authenticity. But truth be told, even with that, our own wiring, there's people who have impacted us to be wired in the way that we are. Not that we're carbon copies of them. We may have stolen bits and pieces from different people who have impacted us. Speak to that a little bit so we'll just know a little bit more about what has contributed to your leadership. I look back over my journey and I think about the the people who have invested in me and poured into me. I mentioned earlier the teacher who invited me to my first leadership conference when I was 15. Mm-hmm. He saw something in me that I did not see in myself and wanted to kind of fan that flame and make that investment. And I am who I am today because he did, because he stepped toward me in that. Uh, another teacher who who saw things in me and encouraged me to take on leadership roles, even in high school, and say, hey, you know, I see this in you. I want you to use your influence, use what you've learned, not just for you, not to benefit you, but for the benefit of those around you. I use that language even today. Because I think that's the the highest calling of a leader. It's not just to benefit yourself. It's to benefit the people that you lead, the people that you can influence and impact. That's the highest calling of a leader. So I think about these teachers that that made that investment. Of course, you know, my family members growing up, my my parents, my grandparents, that I watched lead in different facets of of life Mm -hmm. and picked up the pieces that made sense for me. With anything, as with anybody that you see, you eat the fish and you leave the bones. That's discernment, right? <laughs> but you you pick up the pieces that make sense and you carry those forward and you are the sum of the community of people that has formed and, and shaped you as you grow. I'm no different than that. There are people that I continually learn from. I've been learning from John Maxwell now for decades mm-hmm. because he is one of the most prolific writers on the subject of leadership today. Over a hundred books thus far. And he's still going. His newest one comes out next month. I want to pause here real quick and give a shout out to teachers because I think they are some of our unsung heroes. And not just because I've been a teacher and and played those roles also, but, you know, that's a form of leadership. Oh, absolutely. So much power uh, to impact students. I, too, was greatly shaped and impacted and sent down a better path because of a few teachers. And so I just wanted to point that out, the power that teachers have. And when you see something in a young person that's positive, speak it to that person. Yes, You never know the impact that you're actually having. 
They could have no one else in their life who has ever spoken that. Right. You could be the first. It's so important. And we are two people chatting today that have been so impacted uh, by teachers. And, you know, my teachers were rather strict, too. I had that same leadership talk. Someone told me, you're a leader. People look up to you. What you do matters. So be careful and all this stuff. At the same time, the same teacher was kind of strict and tough and pushed me to the next level. You can do better than that. Get those. That's right. Isn't that the best when somebody says you've got more in you than what I'm seeing? Yeah. I want to see that. What kind of love is that? I'm glad you brought up love because it's. The way we receive criticism, if you will, I hesitate to use that word, but that's the first thing that came to me. Constructive Mm -hmm. criticism um, is when it comes from a place of love, you can receive it. That's right. But when people say it in a mean way, they can say the exact same words from a heart of scorn and detest and have a totally different uh, result. Absolutely. is so important for leaders of all kinds, whether you're in a business, whether you're in education, whether you're mm-hmm. a leader in your home as right. a parent or older brother or sister, the motivation behind the truth that you're trying to, sh- to share with someone is so important. Yeah. Let it come from a place of love so that you can bring about the change that you desire to see. That's right. Exactly. Your words matter. Yeah. You know, I love how Andy Stanley Post says this. He says, as a leader, your words weigh 10,000 pounds. You may not think they do. You may not want them to at different times, but the fact is they do. And it's whether it's positive or negative, it has that weight. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you talk about being a conduit and not just a reservoir of mm-hmm. what you've experienced and learned from others. What does that mean? How do you do that? I believe every experience that we have in our lives is there on purpose. I don't believe there's such a thing as a wasted experience. Mm -hmm. The the question is, are we going to allow that experience to benefit just us? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to allow it to benefit those around us? If I want to keep every experience, everything I learn, everything that I benefit from, if I want to keep all that for me, then I'm acting like a a reservoir. Just like fill me up and I'm going to hold it all in. I think there's a better way. I think leaders need to think in terms of being a conduit to allow those experiences, those formative moments, everything that we've learned, like allow that to flow to us and through us to those around us so that they get to benefit from that as well. If I can learn from another leader who's farther down the road than I am, and I can avoid some ditches that I would fall into without his help or her help, why would I not do that? That's benefiting from somebody who's being a conduit. Excellent. And you know, I agree. I oftentimes use that analogy of a conduit and I see myself as a conduit. And Mm -hmm. what I say is I get wet in the process by making myself available to be the space where water can flow from this place to another to benefit others. I get wet in the process and I don't have to ever be thirsty. And so even doing the podcast, by me trying to get information out there to people to help their lives uh, go to the next level, 
I get to take in all this information too. I'm getting one right. process. <laughs> That's right. I love that. So it's, and it's even fun. I love you sharing that. Was there anything else you wanted to share about that or? I think the the one thing I would I would add is that that's a choice mm. and it doesn't cost you anything. Right. It's true. It's simply a choice that you and I get to make whether we will choose to be that conduit or just hold it all in for us and be a reservoir. Right. Do you believe that your wife and children has impacted your leadership? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt. You're not going to get off that easy. Unpack that for us. (laughs) So I mentioned earlier that my wife and I have been married for just over 25 years now. So there is absolutely no way I would be the person, the leader, the human being that I am today without the influence of my wife. She has helped me to become who I am. I have no greater encourager. Uh, I have no greater cheerleader, no greater confidant. And I have no one who will challenge me like she does. Mm. Absolutely. I would not be the person that I am without her. My children have taught me in a completely different way to be a better leader by challenging me to be a better father. And that's something that I learn more every single day. Do I get it right all the time? It's a leadership role. Sure. Motherhood is a leadership role. That's right. Do I get it right all the time? It's a leadership role. Yeah. I don't get it right all the time, but I learn. And my goal is that I'm a little better today than I was yesterday. Yes. And prayerfully, a little better tomorrow than I am today. So what's one of those things that you would say you've gleaned from them that has impacted your wiring as a leader? You know, four years ago, my older daughter, the time she was 14, started having headaches. And we thought she was developing migraines. I was about that age when I started developing those. And Mm -hmm. so we took her to the doctor, got some medicine. The headaches didn't go away. uh, And they got worse and started being accompanied by vomiting and such. And so back to the doctor, back to the doctor. And ultimately, they they ran an MRI and discovered that she had a a brain tumor on the back right side of her brain. Uh, It turned out to be a very rare form of cancer. Only about 50 teenagers a year in the world are diagnosed with it completely unexpected and there's no history there's no reason this is this is a genetic thing and during the the six months that followed as we're going through surgery and radiation and you know like relocating our family for seven weeks to the ronald mcdonald house in, in baltimore so that she could get the treatment that she needed all these moving parts that went along with this she taught me something during that season that i did not really know as deeply as I did following. And that is that, you know, by virtue of what I do in ministry, I, I spend a lot of time with people at the end of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I've said for a long time, I've never once heard anybody say, wow, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Oh, gee, yeah. I wish I'd, I wish I'd hit my quarterly numbers one more time. No, what I hear are regrets around relationships. I wish I had mended that relationship. I wish I had had that conversation. I wish I hadn't held on to this grudge. I hear those things. And we get to learn from those. We get to learn from from other people if we're teachable. But what I learned during that season with my daughter was that, you know, one day somebody else is going to sit in the chair that I sit in. They're going to have the role that I have. And I will not be doing what I'm doing vocationally at that point. Then what? I want to make sure that I'm intentional about the relationships of those closest to me. Those relationships matter most. They matter more than what I do 
vocationally than the people that I serve or that I help. And I, I learned that in a very fresh way during that season, in a way that I'm not sure I could have any other way. End of the story is my daughter's doing very well. She, she's recovered. There has not been a recurrence of the cancer and we're four years out. And that's a huge Wonderful. blessing. I'm so grateful to God yeah. for that. But I'm, I'm never going to forget that. I'm never going to forget what I thought about during that season and how I wasn't worried about what was going on at the office during that season. Okay. So that's a great segue into the next question, which is why is it important to be a family-focused leader? Well, what's the other kind? You want to be office-focused? You know, you want to focus on, on the office to the exclusion of everything else? When I say you choose to be a family-focused leader to be catalytic, often I'll get pushback on that. And people will say, well, if I'm family-focused, we'll be living out of my car in no time. And I get that. I understand what they're saying. But I think there is a there's a fallacy there. And what we have to do is we have to we have to pause and say, you're not going to be doing what you're doing forever. You're not 100 years from now. This isn't going to be, you know, you're not going to be sitting in that chair doing what you're doing. Right. And what, you know, what matters most, those relationships with your spouse, with your kids, if you're not investing in those now, right. you're going to find yourself in a very bad story at some point in the not too far future. Being a family-focused leader is having to do with basically making sure you're taking care of your family and not getting so lost in your day job. Absolutely. Being intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being intentional with your relationships. You know, choosing that. I wonder if it has a second meaning, if you will, in Mm -hmm. terms of some of the style that you might use at home with family mm-hmm. might also be appropriate in the workplace. Absolutely. I think one thing that comes to mind when you say that is, you know, I want the best for my daughters. I want the best for my wife, mm-hmm. right? I want to to celebrate them. I want to learn how they're wired and help them to lean and grow into that, mm-hmm. help them to accomplish their dreams, their goals. Why would I not feel the exact same way about people that I'm leading at the office, about the team that I lead? If I understand how they're wired, if I hear their dreams, their goals, and I help them to move toward those and I invest in them, what do you think that's going to do to your team dynamic at work? You think it's going to be better than if you just treat them like a cog in a machine, (laughs) somebody who, who accomplishes a task and then, hey, thanks. Wow. Right. World of difference. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So be a bridge and help us understand what personal struggle, not family, but you as an individual, has God allowed you to go through to give shape to the leader you are today? Like you gave us the example of your daughter, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But what has touched your heart personally that it may not necessarily be family related. I'm going to call it a you and God moment, a crisis mm-hmm. within yourself somehow or sure. outside of yourself. I think for me, I would I would point to the work I do with leaders that comes out of that type of an experience with God. As I was growing and developing as a leader early on, I did not have a coach. I did not have a mentor. I did not have somebody who was 
helping me to navigate those early days of leadership, those early years. Mm -hmm. And I made a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to say I made every mistake in the book. I probably covered a lot of them. (laughs) Definitely more than half. One Um, that you might be okay sharing. Sure. I think one, when I was both in business and in ministry uh, in both places, because I had not learned this yet, was seeing people as a means to an end instead of what we were just talking about, helping them to accomplish what it is that God has wired and designed them to do. Mm-hmm. Seeing them as means to an end, whether it's somebody who is paid or whether in a church context, it's somebody who's a volunteer, uh, seeing them as a means to an end. So I need you to do this and not really investing in them or caring if that's how they're wired. I just need you to do this. That's unhealthy. And that's not the best way to lead. That is certainly not catalytic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might do it for you, Uh, They might accomplish the task that you're after, but that's because you're trying to leverage your positional leadership instead of leveraging a relationship because they they need to know that you're for them, that you're not just the boss, but that you are for them. That was a lesson I had to learn. And there were too many years when I did not know that. So often you don't know what you don't know. I've had a leadership coach for many years now because I have blind spots, just like every leader does. I need somebody outside of me to help me see what I can't see. Right. The fact is, you can't see the whole picture when you're in the frame. And that's one of those things I was in the frame on. I couldn't see it until somebody helped me to see it. Wow, that's great. I heard you earlier, and I agree with you. You want to be concerned and say, what are your dreams and what are your goals and how can I help you get there? But sometimes another person's dreams and goals may not exactly align with the task at hand that you may need them to do. So it's not necessarily supporting their goals. It's supporting, you know, the goal of the team or the the business or the whatever the case may be. But I Somebody thinking, says, hey, I want your job. <laughs> That's my <laughs> yeah. goal, right? My well, goal is your job. <laughs> well, you can't have it yet. Somebody's in it. But <laughs> I've been in a situation like that too. We keep bringing up those things. I've, I've, but you know, uh, I've literally had three people around me that wanted my job. And one person was bold enough to just flat out say it. I was like, wow. wow. Talk about boldness. That's bold. Uh, <laughs> hey, you have not because you asked not, right? I'm, I'm like... <laughs> That's on another level, though. <laughs> oh, it is. But it's not a positive thing. That's, no. that's a, what. Envy, uh, wanting yeah. what someone else has. That's not a healthy. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And so what I'll do is I'll spin it with them and I'll say, hey, I want to help prepare you for when you are ready for that. Let's talk about what that looks like in right. your preparation season where you are mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And what I was getting at about needing someone to help and it may not be aligned with their goal or whatever, is still the fact that you have that space where you genuinely are concerned mm-hmm. about helping them get to the next level. You could even have that conversation where, look, I know this is not your passion, what I'm asking right. you to do. I know you have these dreams around this, and we're going to be building you up for that and supporting you and helping you get there. But in this instance, can you just right. help out? And when people know, again, where you're coming from and you're being yes. honest and open, they're willing to help, even if it's outside of what they would prefer to do. So true. When you, and you would your have, heart. Mm-hmm. And you would have to go into it as a leader that, you know what, I need help in this area. This is not their passion. And even be realistic about 
the outcome. That's right. It may not be magic because it, it's not their strength. That's, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, I mean, it might be done and done well, but it may not be a wow. Exactly. So, I ask all of my guests the same question, which is, what final gem would you want to leave my audience with regarding this topic? It's a statement that you would give if they forget everything else we've talked about today. You're saying, but don't forget this one thing. What would that be? I call this the one non-negotiable of catalytic leadership. If you forget everything else, this is the one non-negotiable. My challenge to you is to choose to have a teachable spirit. Hmm. You can learn from anybody yeah. if you have a teachable spirit. Sometimes you learn what not to do, but that can be incredibly valuable. My goal every day is no matter the conversation I'm in, no matter the room or the meeting or whatever I'm in, I want to be the most teachable person in the room. I want to learn from the people around me. And if I can challenge your listeners, if they will make that choice, that choice, which, by the way, again, costs them absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. It's simply a choice that you make. If you will make that choice, that will change your life. That's powerful. I agree. And I agree that you can learn what to do as much as you can learn what not to do. And even we touched earlier on how sometimes people will put things forth from a place of a negative spirit, not necessarily putting your best interest at heart. You can even learn from that. And I'm not saying simply don't be that kind of person, but they may still be speaking the truth. And if you can sift through all the negativity and arrive at the truth they actually shared, you can still take that gold, even though it came from, you know, someone who didn't mean you well. So you can learn two things. You can learn the truth they share, even though they didn't do it in a constructive way. But you can also learn, don't be that kind of person that's trying to tear a person down. That's right. So well said. And so I agree with you is life is always presenting those teachable moments. If you go through even just a couple hours of your day, and you didn't experience a teachable moment, something's wrong. That's right. Because <laughs> it's popping up all the time from children, That's from right. even just observing something outside your window and how That's the wind right. is blowing or how the wind is blowing trash cans. It's like, hmm, maybe we should turn the trash cans at a different angle. I don't know. I'm getting ridiculous here. The, all of that is to emphasize the point that there's always teachable moments if you're open to see them. This has been a great conversation. I thank you so much, uh, William, for coming on the show today. And I'm feeling pretty certain that our audience will have uh, much to glean. And with that said, will you go ahead and share any information you'd like to share about how my audience can stay in touch with you, contact you, uh, get you as a coach, any of that stuff? Sure. You can find out more about me and the coaching that I do at catalyticleadership.net gives you the ability to contact me. We can book a call. Love to help you to take the next step in your leadership journey. And for your listeners, Pamela, I would love to offer a free copy of a book that I published last year called Catalytic Leadership. 
in it, I've got 12 principles that I've gleaned from coaching leaders for these decades that I want to help leaders get better wherever they are. And I'd love to put a copy of that book in their hands. If they go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, then they can fill out a form and we will send a paperback copy of that book their way. All they have to do is pay the shipping so we can get it to them. That is awesome. Thanks so much. And I want to encourage the audience to go ahead and take you up on that. Well, Dr. William Attaway, it's been my pleasure to have you on Envision Together, going to our next level of best. Thanks for showing your wisdom, your knowledge gained and experiences that you've had that has helped you and now can help my audience go to their next level of best. So thanks for being that conduit today. And I hope that you continue to get wet in the process. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, Subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.